Part 1. The Name of Book Shams of Tabriz The Master of Rumi The Author of Book Faruk Dilaver Type of Book Tasavvuf Published by Dilaver Yayıncılık, Ankara, Turkey First Edition, 2020 ISBN Number 979-866-7800 3-5-9-8-1 Cover picture of book The color of the background is black. At the top, the name of the author appears as Faruk Dilaver. Under the name, we see a golden key, which symbolizes the key of Kabe, and under the key, there is the name of the book, Shams of Tabriz, the master of Rumi. There is a drawing of a whirling dervish, in pink, at the middle left part. On the bottom right part of the cover, it writes, Shams, the son of love that burned Rumi's heart. Shams, the real treasure hunter, the exchanger of love. Shams, the martyr of love who sacrificed his life to Rumi. Back cover. Shams of Tabriz, the master of Rumi. Oh, the light of our hearts, come. The end of my desires and struggles, come. You know our lives are in your hands. Don't make life a burden for your servants, come. O oh, love, O oh, beloved, exceed the meanings. Put away the stubbornness, come. O oh, Suleiman, the owner of the hoopoes, show grace, come and look for us. O oh, the one who loves the most, the truth of love passed you by and captured the conscious, come. The souls are groaning and bellowing since you've been gone. The time is up, come. Cover the shames, spread the favor. It is the tradition of the generous, come. How do they say come in Persian, Bia? Come or accept our invitation. The time you come is our enjoyment. If you don't, we are never dignified. Come. Kurshad of Arabs, Kubat of Persians, my heart is conquered with your memory. Come. My inner heart says come to you. The existence that will come from your existence. Come. Oh, my moon, I wandered the countries for you. Come as you encircle me and the countries. You are like the sun that approaches and becomes distant again. Come, the one close to his servants. Rumi End of part Part 2, page 7 Presentation Shams, the son of love that burned Rumi's heart. Shams, the real treasure hunter, the exchanger of love. Shams, the martyr of love who sacrificed his head to Rumi. Rumi is a divine and a very well-known man in our country and other countries. He had dedicated himself to Tasawwuf with his ideas and thoughts, and he is a saint of God and a lover of the truth. He has been enshrined in the readers of Mathnawi's hearts, his precious work of art. In order to comprehend Rumi well, who appeals to a large community with his works of art, 
It is very important to know Shams of Tabriz first, who plays a big role in making Maulana Jalaluddin Rumi become the Rumi. To know someone, it is necessary to know his spiritual structure and his life story which form his personality. The spiritual structure of a man can only be understood from his salutation and speech. For this reason, we have added some part of Shams' conversations to this book in order to introduce Shams of Tabriz well. Today, we are proud to reshare with you the happiness of collecting our research and studies about Shams of Tabriz into a book from 2003, our esteemed readers. By the virtue of this book, we wish for new pages to be opened in your life and in your inner heart. Faruk Dilaver. Introduction One day, in 2002, I went to Konya to visit Rumi. I was just about to enter the door of the shrine when an old man with a white beard came in front of me and rejected my entry into the shrine and said, No, don't you do this. You should go, go first and visit Shams and then come back. I went back, learned where the shrine of Shams of Tabriz was, and went there. I entered the mosque that I hadn't visited before, bashfully. I saw the tomb of Shams in front of me. I approached and said my prayer. The mosque official started to recite the ikama for the obligatory afternoon prayer. The community formed a line. I was touched. All of a sudden, my inner heart said, Oh, the Sultan of Lovers, what have you turned Rumi into? I wish you were here today so that we could perform the prayer together, shoulder to shoulder. At that moment, someone sharp eyed from the front rows called out to me, inviting me with a fine, strong voice, saying, Then come here. I went next to him and stood on his left side. My knees were trembling with excitement. He leaned his shoulder on mine, and we started the prayer. Oh my God, his shoulder was like a fire. This fire burned my body during the prayer. In the last unit of the prayer, I said to myself, My God, let me hug him after the prayer, then take my life. When I turned to him after completing the prayer, I could not see him. I asked the man next to me, Where is he? He answered, He stood up quickly and disappeared. I almost fainted and could not pull myself together for a while. When I gathered myself, everyone had left and the mosque was empty. I stood up and went back to Rumi's shrine to complete my visit in peace. After my visit, I became happy when I realized how much Rumi is known and loved in our country and abroad. After that day, I promised myself to introduce Shams of Tabriz, who has contributed to Rumi becoming who he is as much as I can, and in 2003, I published the first edition of this book. I am very happy that many books about Shams have been published today 
and that Shams has gotten the attention he deserves. I am proud to be one of the people to start this research. End of part, page 10. Part 3, page 11. In the name of God, the most gracious and the most merciful. Chapter 1, Shams of Tabriz. O Shams of Tabriz, you are the sun hidden under the letter cloud. When your sun rises, words disappear, they fade away. One day, a sun was seen in the skies of Tabriz. This sun was born as a baby who was completely painted in the red color of love, and his cry was branding the lungs. AD 1185. The mother of the baby had forgotten the pain of her birth pains and was enchanted in a strange happiness with the baby's cry. This son was Shamsatin Muhammad, in other words, Shams of Tabriz, who burnt the heart of Rumi, one of the leading names in science and tasawuf in Konya. Konya is the home of science and knowledge in the Anatolia region. Shams had led Rumi to present works of eternal taste and beauty to humanity. Shams was born with superior skills from birth. He was filled with so much love of Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, when he was at a very young age, that he did not even think about eating or drinking for forty days when he was speaking of him. When people reminded him of eating, he would turn away what was served, with his hand or his head. His father Ali, son of Melikdat from Azeri Turks, was irritated with his states. So he said to him, My son, I don't understand your strange states. It is very wrong to dive into the world of love and knowledge at such an early age. Where will this end? I am afraid you will get harmed by this. Shams replied to his father, My father, do you know what the two of us look like? A chicken was incubated and eggs were placed under it. But one of these eggs was a duck egg. One day, all the chicks had broken their eggs and had started to walk around the chicken. One day, the chicken had taken the chicks to the lakeside to feed them. One of the chicks couldn't stand it when he saw the water. He ran and dove into the lake, starting to swim with pleasure. Seeing her chick in the water, the chicken had started crying out and worrying that it would drown in the water. You look like that mother chicken, and me, that chick that dove into the water. The poor mother does not know that the chick is a duck in reality, and that it will never drown in the water even if it is a big sea. So, father, don't be sad. I have come from a duck egg. Don't worry, I won't get harmed or get ill. Even if I dive into the deep seas of knowledge and love, you can feel at ease, all right? The fact that a child of such a young age could say these words left his father in astonishment, and he realized how unjustified his worries were, and he was relieved. Shams was fulfilling his worships 
appropriately at his young age. Sometimes he would play with his friends, behaving like a child, and sometimes he was watching the manifestation of God and the angels and contemplate in a secluded corner like a great lover who has the knowledge of wisdom while discovering the secrets of the realm. When he played peekaboo with his friends, it was never predicted where he would hide and where he would come from. This state of him continued when he had grown up, and his friends named him Shamsi Perande, meaning the flying Shams. He got his first education of Tasawuf from a master called Abu Bakr Sallabaf, also known as Sepetchi Abu Bakr in Tabriz. He served him for a long time. During that period, Shams was watching the angels in the sky and the realm and states of those in their graves. His master Abu Bakr was warning him all the time not to tell other people about his states. Abu Bakr Salabaf was a man whose inner heart had been woken. He was not sleeping at night but only worshipping and contemplating. On one of these nights, he saw a thief throwing a lasso to climb a roof. When the man heard the voice of the people, he understood that they came to arrest him, but could not find anywhere to hide. He was trying to run away in fear. Abu Bakr Salabaf felt his fear when watching the poor thief and decided to help him. He walked into the dark towards the roof and came across the thief from the other side. Don't go, my friend, he said. I am not a stranger to you. I would be pale in comparison to you in bravery. He gave his turban and other possessions to the thief from the top. He apologized and said, Come on, hurry. Get out of here and save your life. Try to disappear like smoke. Abu Bakr Salabaf was a very generous and a distinguished man. But Shams would express sorrow all the time, saying, My master cannot see something that I have. So, when Abu Bakr Salabaf understood that maturing Shams had exceeded his strength, he allowed him to go on a journey and look for a master whose speech he could bear. Following his master's advice, Shams went to Sajasla Sheikh Rukneddin, the master of Sheikh Evhaduddin from Kirman, and then to Sheikh Shahabettin Mahmud from Tabriz. He improved his knowledge and wisdom by taking great advice from those masters. He then went to Gently Kemal Baba, the caliph of Pir Nejmettin Kubra, and the leader of the sheikhs during that period and fully matured and became a spiritual leader with the competency of knowledge of the Islamic legal code and all sects. When Shamsettin was listening to the discourse of Baba Kemal, Fahreddin Iraqi was also there. Fahreddin Iraqi was presenting his discoveries in the realm of truth in the form of poems and articles before Baba Kemal. One day, in the middle of the discourse, Baba Kemal turned to Shams and said, Shams my son, 
Fahrettin Iraki is writing down what comes to his inner heart as poems or articles and making nice explanations. Don't you have such states and don't you discover secrets of truth? Why don't you tell us? Shams was saddened upon this question. He said, I have more than those states and discoveries, one after another, Master. But Almighty Creator has given Fahrettin the ability to explain himself in the best way. But I don't have that ability. I can't read poetry like him. Baba Kemal said, My God give you such a friend that has the ability to reveal all secrets of ingenuity and truth that you have heard and experienced, written and verbal, on your behalf. May the streams of wisdom flow from his heart to his tongue, and may they assume that attire of the letters and sounds, and may that attire be dignified with your name, and prayed for him. Shams lived in big cities of Syria, like Damascus and Aleppo, and he learned how to read and write Arabic very well. He searched for masters in the lands he traveled who would improve his maturity and help him dive into seas of truth and met with them. But he could not find the one he was looking for. No one could satisfy him. He tested the ones he met, but moved on when he could not get the answer he was waiting for. He was saying that he was looking for a sheikh to mature him, but in the end, he was making them disciples to himself and kept searching. He was saying, I am looking for God to the masters who were asking him what he came for. Shams had a tradition. He was saying to the ones who came to him, Master, are you going to speak or are you going to listen? If the man said, I will speak, then Shams would listen to him for three days and three nights non-stop. If the man said, I will listen, Shams would say, then I concur and start speaking. Can you stay with me in any condition? Let's say I made my face wry. Can you make a wry face? If I laugh, can you laugh? If the man said, no, I can't do that, Shams would say, It seems to me that you have a separate realm than ours. If a tailor tries to be smithery, he burns his beard. That tailor has to do his own job. Or he should go to the blacksmith and say, You blacksmith, teach me how to do your job. The blacksmith then teaches him his profession. The tailor then wouldn't burn his beard and move on. Whenever he saw people arguing or fighting, he said to them, You make no use of arguing or being stubborn, even if it is true or false. If the thing you claim the opposite of is wrong, God will hold you responsible for that. Even if you are one of God's saints, nothing changes. Again, one day he said, I wonder how these people think the fellowship with God is. God has created the skies, the earth, and this realm. 
Is it so easy to achieve his fellowship that you come speak and listen? Is this a restaurant that you come and drink soup and walk away? One of the men he met asked him, What is the sign of a wise man? Shams, it is not falling back from invocation of the fellow and not getting enough of his fellowship. It is keeping the heart busy with contemplation, the body with service, the eye with proximity. There is no importance of the world, no sign of afterlife or a price of God to him. The man continued, So what is ingenuity? Shams, Ingenuity is the vitality of the inner heart with God. Kill the vital, that is your body. Resurrect the dead, that is your heart. Lose the present, that is the world. Prepare the lost, that is the afterlife. Destroy the existing, that is your desires. Form the non-existent, that is your intention. The ingenuity is in the heart. The testimony is on the tongue. Serve if you want to get away from hell. Intend if you want God. If you want God, turn your face to God so that you can find God right at that moment. God decrees. One who knows me turns to me. One who looks for me finds me and does not look at others' faces. The man asked again, What is wisdom? Shams, There are three types of wisdom. First is speech. Second is worship. Third is expression. Wisdom of speech belongs to scholars. Wisdom of worship belongs to wise men. They do not get angry at those who oppose him or oppress him. They do not have a grudge against them. They ask to Bayezid, Do you walk on water or in the air? He said, Piece of waste floats on water. Birds fly in the air. The witches go from Mount Kuf to Mount Kuf in one night. Wise men set their hearts to nothing but God, he said. The man asked, What is distress? Wrath sees wrath even if he looks at grace with his own eye. I said to an infidel man, You are a servant of God, and I am a servant of God, but you are created from God's distress attributes, and I am created from his grace attributes. Grace attributes prevail the distress attributes. Give up on the distress and connect to grace. It is more tasteful. The man asked, what is the way of seeking the truth? Shams replied, Trying to find it all alone by only reading is a big curtain. A man heads for this as if he has found water in the desert, but in the end he regrets it because he starts understanding that he keeps himself busy licking outside the, the pitcher which he used to fill the water and therefore is deprived of the endless food. In the end, the words and the sounds are only the picture itself. No one speaks of the pearl buried ten meters under the soil 
and wrapped in a thick cloth and put into a wooden chest. This is the scent of the soul. The taste, when this reaches a man, he should walk on this path from then on, so that he may see the truth in this world. This pearl, even if they were wrapped in curtains and clothes, spreads out a light that is impossible to cover. A man with strong sight sees this light. The ocean of generosity arouses the waves and gives you whatever you ask from it. Everyone prays for something, some for gold, some for a higher spiritual stage. If a man goes beyond these sights, he knows that all of these have a creator and all of them are non-existent. Then accept yourself as non-existent so that you can find him. One day, when Shams was watching the realm of mystery with the eye of his inner heart, he saw one of the big saints who had 40,000 students. His hands were open and was praying with sorrow, saying, O oh God, O oh God. He was begging so intensely that all the souls were in unity, saying, O oh God, O oh God. Shams also begged God at that moment. Right then, he heard the sound as a reply to his begging. Request, O Shams, all of your wishes will be fulfilled. He said, O God, bestow upon the servant of yours that prays with all the souls, saying, O God, O God. That saint's wish was granted in a short time with Shams' help. One of his friends from one of the cities he has traveled to had come to Shams. I have a friend. He has a nice spiritual state. I wish I had this spiritual state as well, he said. Shams got angry. How dare you speak to me like that when you are my friend? Yes, that state you admire is a high state and a position, but being my friend is higher than that, because you have been close and a confidant to me. Again, one day, a man came to Shams and said, Tell me a secret. I can't tell you a secret. I tell the secret to such a man that I do not see him in himself, but myself in himself. Then I will have told my secret to myself. But I don't see myself in you. I see others. Someone who comes to you is within one of the three possibilities. He is either his student or has come to be a friend or to show his own greatness. The man was astonished. Do you think it is obvious that what kind of a man I am? Shams said, Yes, it is. I see your master in you. He is in you, but I am not in you. The man said, A brave man is such a man that he looks the same from outside as he is inside. Shams then said, my inside and outside have the same color. If this is declared and it becomes known that I have all the wisdom and the sainthood, all of the world would be single-colored. The swords would not be up and there would be no wrath and cruelty left. The color of my outer face is the reflection of the color of my inner face. Shams came across a community in one of the cities he traveled to. The people in there were speaking about the hashish being illicit. 
After listening to them, Shams said, Our friends are finding happiness with such a simple herb. This is a dream of Satan. Here, there is no worth of an angel's dream, so how can Satan's dream have any worth? We are not even satisfied with the angel itself. How come we satisfy with only its dream? What is Satan and what is its dream in this sense? Why should our friends not take pleasure of the endless and pure realm, but from the hashish that make people's minds stultify and prevent them from comprehending? Upon this explanation, a man opposed. There is a verse in Quran about wine being forbidden, but there is not such a verse about this herb. Shams said, There was a reason for every verse, then the verse would come. But in our Prophet's time, they were not eating this herb, otherwise he would order for the heaviest punishment to those. Each verse would come for a need or for a reason. For example, the Prophet's companions would read the Quran out loud before him. Since our Prophet's mind was com becoming confused, a verse has come saying, O believers, do not raise your voice over your prophet's voice. One day, they brought the son of the sultan, who was a very valiant child, to Shams. The child was having difficulty with memorizing things and forgetting quickly. His teachers were fed up with his forgetfulness. The father of the child told about his son to Shams and asked for his help to teach him the Holy Quran. Shams accepted and said, With the will of God, he shall memorize twenty pages from Quran every day. The other people around were surprised at what he said. The next day, the boy started to come to the lesson and memorize twenty pages every day. So, he has memorized the whole Quran in one month. One day, while on his path, Shams met a man on a horse with his servants. When they came eye to eye without moving, the man stared for a while and left crying. Shams said after him, I thank God who punishes his servants with his blessings. Upon that, people asked why he said that, and he said, That man is one of the hidden saints. He lives his state secretly. When he met me, he told me that he is having difficulty in fulfilling the needs of being a dervish. He asked me to pray for him to be a servant in poverty. I prayed, but it was not granted. He left crying because it was told that he had to maintain his duty as a saint with his current rich state. Shams always wore black felt clothes and he always stayed at an inn wherever he traveled. Some open-hearted saints called him Saifullah, meaning Sword of God, because whoever hurt him would either be sent to the other world or deeply cut in the soul by him. Hundreds of thousands of wise men were only a size of a drop compared to his spiritual ocean. Shams would go out of his room once a week to go to a soup restaurant and have a bowl of soup, 
consommé with no fat for two small metal coins during his stay in Damascus. He would not eat anything else for the whole week except that soup. The owner of the restaurant understood that he was trying to torture his ego. So, one day, he served some delicious food. Shams noticed that his special state was understood and stood up to wash his hands without touching the food and left the city. He was traveling from city to city and arrived in Baghdad. He heard the sound of a musical instrument when he was passing by a palace. When he entered to listen to the music, the lord of the palace noticed Shams and called out to his slave pointing at him, Beat that dervish and let him go. The slave pulled out his sword to beat him. Suddenly, his hand became paralyzed. He pointed out to another slave, and his hand just freezed in the air. Shams got out of the palace and continued on his way. The ones in the palace ran after him, but couldn't catch him. The next day, the lord of the palace died. He visited Sheikh Evaduddin Kirmani, one of the well-known saints in Baghdad. Shams asked him what he was busy with. He said, I am watching the reflection of the moon on the water in the basin. Shams replied, Do you have an abscess on your neck? Why don't you raise your head and look at it in the sky? Go find yourself a doctor and be treated. In that way, you will see what is worth of seeing, whatever you look at. Having this answer, Sheikh Afaduddin hugged his hand and said, I want to be your servant and serve you. But Shams replied, You can't stand my fellowship. But he insisted. So Shams said, All right. Would you like to drink wine with me in the middle of the bazaar of Baghdad in front of people? And he said, No, I can't do that. Shams said, Can you get me wine? He said, No, I can't do that either. Shams said, Can you accompany me when I am drinking? Sheikh Efaduddin said, No, I can't. Stay away from the saints, Shams shouted. Didn't I tell you that you can't stand my fellowship? You don't have that wisdom. You should have sold all of your servants and the honor and virtue of the world to a glass of wine. This love arena is for the wise man. I am not looking for a servant. I am looking for a master. Not an ordinary master, a mature one seeking the truth, he said and walked away. End of part, page 29. Part 4, page 31. Chapter 2, Shams Before Rumi. It is not me that is seen like me. So, who is it that I call me, me, tell me? It is not me saying that. So, who is it that speaks with my tongue? I am nothing more than a garment from head to toe. Who is the wearer of this garment? Tell me. Mevlana Jalaluddin Rumi opened his eyes to this world in Balkh city, one of the science and culture centers in Khorasan.
His mother was beautiful and loving. She was saint-like and named Mumina Hatun. She was the daughter of Rukneddin, the Amir of Balkh, and her father was the Sultan of the wise men whose family extended to His Holiness Abu Bakr and His Holiness Hussein to become an ocean from a drop. Rumi's father loved him so much, and Rumi had God's light all over his face. Rumi came after his first son, Alaaddin Muhammad. He said, God bless Muhammad Jalaluddin. He is like no other child. Take good care of him, Mumine. Bahatin Velet was teaching knowledge and wisdom in a madrasa, showing the ways of truth in Balkh. The number of his students and the ones listening to his discourse was increasing from day to day. His reputation had spread to a large mass and people from many cities were visiting to see him and to be present in his discourses and to be his students. They were craving enlightenment in his discourses. One night in Balkh, many wise men have seen Hazrat Muhammad in their dreams in a big tent in the desert. In the dream, Hazrat Muhammad had asked people to call Bahatin Velet, Sultanul Ulema, in parentheses Sultan of the Wise Men, from that day on. The man who saw that dream came to Bahatin Velet in the morning, and just when they were about to tell him that they would call him the Sultan of the Wise Men, he told his dream before they started speaking, and astonished them. After that day, he was called as the Sultan of the Wise Men. Rumi started to see the angelic realm when he was five years old. His father called one of his students and said, My son, look after Jalaluddin Rumi, because the angels are visiting him. They are taking him to see the angelic realm. Although this is a good state, he is still too little, and I am afraid his mind will be harmed. During his childhood, Rumi had started to become educated by two of his father's precious followers, Serafettin Lala and Tirmizli Sayyid Burhanettin. With the help of his special gifts and intelligence, Rumi succeeded to get the attention of his father and his teachers at a very young age. One day, when he was playing with his friends at the soil roof of their house, his friend said, Come, Jalaluddin, let's jump to the next roof. He replied, Cats and dogs can do it easily. Instead of that, let's fly to the skies and watch the realms. The courses and the discourses of Bahatin Velet were getting great attention. These courses were written and compiled under the name Marif by his students. Sometimes he was giving interesting answers to philosophers and he was using the word delusioner instead of philosopher. Fahrettin Razi, one of the known philosophers of Balkh and other philosophers, were trying to spread the mentality of Greek philosophy. Bahatin Velet called out to them in one of his discourses. O Fahrettin Razi, O Harizm Shah, and their followers. 
you have fallen into dark, giving up all the miracles, divine discoveries, and peaceful hearts. You are chasing a dream. This dream makes you a slave to your ego. Your soul's inner eye is closed. You can't see the truth. These words spread around Balk and caused Fahreddin Razi and his followers to complain about him to the Sultan. Bahattin Velet has made the Balk community obey him. He started criticizing you and us. We are afraid he will take your throne someday. The community listens to his words. We need to take precaution. The Sultan was very sad to hear these words. He knew that Bahattin Velet did not mean to get his throne, but still he sent him a message with one of his reliable men to understand his intention. Our sheikh proposes to give his throne, his country and soldiers of Balkh. Let him allow me to go to another country because it is not appropriate to have two sultans in one country. Upon this proposal from the sultan, Bahattin Velet replied, Send my salutations to the sultan of Balkh. The fatal countries, treasuries, and thrones of this world benefit the sultans. We are dervishes. Rain and this hometown are not for us. We shall travel with our pleasant inner hearts and leave the sultan alone with his own nationality and followers. At that time, the Mongolian army had come to the boundaries of Balkh city, destroying and burning all the cities they passed by. When the news arrived, the people of Balkh started to migrate to Iran, Iraq, and Anatolia in groups. Bahattin Velet decided to migrate from the city of Balkh with his family and his precious followers both because of the Mongolian danger approaching and because of the jealousy and bad behaviors of Harezm Shahs against his wisdom. The news that he would leave the city spread fast. He did not give up his decision despite the insistence and petitions of the Balkh community. A riot was about to begin against those who caused this migration. Fahreddin Razi and Sultan Muhammad Tekis Harazm Shah were scared to leave their houses. On a Friday morning, Bahattin Velet left the city with a small group quietly not to cause a ruckus. Fatma Hatun, Rumi's newly married sister, who was a wise woman and whom the people consulted for many reasons, decided to stay in Bath with her husband and did not join them. The group itinerated towards south and first visited Nishapur. Bahattin Velet met with Fariduddin Attar, a great scholar of Sufism, and had deep discourses with him. Maulana Jalaluddin Rumi, who was 14 years old then, attracted his attention with his maturity and knowledge. This big scholar gave a copy of one of his books called Book of Secrets to Rumi as a gift and said to his father, I hope your son will soon fire up the hearts that will burn in this realm. 
After this migration, Mongolian soldiers had come to Balkh city and burned the places around and killed the people. Bahattin Velet had sensed this danger long ago and warned the people of Balkh before he left. I am going. After I go, these Mongolian soldiers spreading like grasshoppers all over the world will blockade Khorasan. They will cause the Balkh community to taste the bitter drink of death. After staying for a while in Nishapur, Bahattin Velet left to go to Baghdad. When they arrived in Baghdad, the guards of the city stopped this small group to ask where they were coming from and where they were going. Bahattin Velet said, We have come from God and we are going to God. Nothing else can stop us. They informed the caliph of the city. The caliph asked the people around to try to understand the mystery of this answer. One of them said, Only Bahattin Velet, the sultan of the wise, can say this. The caliph sent a tray full of gold to Bahattin Velet as a gift and invited him to stay in his palace. Bahattin Velet said, The property of the caliph is illicit and suspicious. He returned his gift and rejected his proposal and decided to stay at a madrasa with his relatives. He continued to guide people by preaching in big mosques in Baghdad, the city of science and culture. In one of those sermons, he addressed the caliph and informed him that the Mongolian soldiers would soon arrive there, destroy and burn the places, and he would be tortured and killed by them. He advised him to wake up from his recklessness and turn his heart to God before they arrived then left Baghdad to go to Mecca and complete his pilgrimage duty with Rumi and his other followers. They then visited Medina, Jerusalem, and Damascus. He met with Sheikh Akbar Muhyiddin ibn Arabi in Damascus. Looking at Rumi, who was walking behind the Sultan of the Scholars, Sheikh Akbar said, O oh, my perfect God! The ocean is walking behind the sea. After their visit in Damascus, Bahattin Velet said, God wants us to settle in Anatolian land. Our next stop will be Konya city. And they continued on their way. They were now coming to Anatolia. When they were about to arrive in Erzincan after Malatya, Ismet Hatun, Melik Fahrettin's wife, who was a wise woman, went to welcome him on a horse. She begged them to stay in their city. He ordered, It will be possible to stay for a while if you build a madrasa in this city. Immediately, the construction of a madrasa started with the order of open-hearted lover Ismet Hatun in Akshahir and was completed in a short time. The Sultan of the Wise taught for four years in that madrasa. It was again time to set off. Bahattin Velet arrived in Karaman with his group after a long journey. The governor of the city, Emir Musa, convinced him to stay in Karaman. 
Again, he settled in a madrasa even though Emir Musa invited him to stay in his palace. Later, Emir Musa built a madrasa for Bahattin Velet in Karaman. During those years, Rumi was living his youth and improving his knowledge and wisdom. Sharafettin Lala from Samarkand, who was one of Bahattin Velet's followers and had migrated with him, had a very beautiful daughter named Gevher Banu. She had grown up with Rumi and had been educated together by Bahattin Velet until she was seven years old. Bahattin Velet asked Gevher Banu's father for his son Rumi, and it was an honor for Sharafettin Lala to let his daughter marry Rumi. They married on a beautiful spring day when the trees turned green and the flowers had bloomed with a modest wedding ceremony. After a short while, Rumi's mother Mumina Hatun and his brother Mohammed Alatin died and were buried in Karaman. Bahattin Velet was deeply saddened with those painful losses. During those years, Rumi had two sons named Sultan Veled and Alatin Celebi, and they consoled Bahattin Veled. Meanwhile, some people told Alatin Keikubat, the Sultan of Seljuk, that Konya is the capital city, and that it would be more appropriate for the Sultan of the Wise to settle in Konya. Upon people's insinuations, the Sultan wrote a letter to the Amir of Karaman stating that it is wrong to keep Bahattin Velet in Karaman. When the Amir received the letter, he explained the situation to Bahattin Velet, feeling that this would be a problem otherwise. Bahattin Velet understood that the Amir would have difficulty and thus decided to migrate to Konya and departed Karaman. The Sultan welcomed him at the entrance of the city with excitement with the reputable people of the city and a big crowd. He got off his horse and ran to kiss his hand. Bahattin Velet handed his wand and said, Here, kiss this. Against this brave and serious posture, the Sultan kissed the wand without hesitation and said with admiration, My heart trembles for you, Your Majesty. I am afraid to look at your face. My truth and beliefs improve as I see you. I fear him whereas all the people fear me. My God, what is this? I thoroughly believe that he is a genuine and a rare lover of God. He had admitted his own impotence against his greatness. He held the bridles of his horse and took him to the city. Walking towards the palace, Bahattin Velet said to him, Madrasa for imams, Khan for sheikhs, palace for emirs, inn for merchants, zawiya for vagabonds, caravansarai for poor men is appropriate. So the sultan took him to the Madrasa Altunu Abba. He started to give lectures and discourses to his students in this madrasa. People were coming in groups to be his students and listen to his discourses. 
but the madrasa had maxed out the capacity. One day, when Bahatim Veled was interpreting the verses of Quran, one of the viziers of the Sultan, Amir Bedreddin, came and started to listen at the corner. He said to himself, He must be memorizing a verse and interpreting it every day. He has studied his lesson well. Right at that moment, Bahatim Veled turned to him and said, Say a verse from Quran and started interpreting the verse he had said. Emir Bedreddin started crying, and he wanted to kiss his hand, begging him to forgive him. The Sultan of the Wise, the madrasa is not enough for you anymore. Let me build you a big madrasa. Upon Bahattin Veled's approval, he built a big madrasa for him. The Sultan of the Wise moved to that madrasa with his relatives. Bahatin Veled usually established proximity with people by seeing the secrets in their hearts and explaining the meanings to them. He was a cautious and a compliant man. He worshipped a lot and lived in austerity. He often visited the cemeteries and prayed, My God, give us good tempers. Help us endure the miseries. Visit the cemeteries during daytime. Watch the stars at night time. This is a testament and a custom of our Prophet, he said. Bahattin Veled, there will be no wise person like me as long as I live. Wait for me to depart from this world. Then you will see how my son Jalaluddin will be at a higher degree than me. There was a small hill before the city walls of Konya were built where the green dome is today. One day, he went there and said, Mine and my son's and his children's graves will be here. It had been two years since Bahattin Velet had come to Konya, and he was over 85. His old body could not survive the disease he caught during winter. He passed away on the third day of his disease. The next day, Sultan Alaaddin and all of the emirs, the wise men, and the sheikhs attended his funeral. Hundreds of people carried his coffin on top of their shoulders to bury him in the rose garden that was bestowed by the sultan. Mourning has continued for forty days in the palace. The sultan and the emirs did not ride their horses during this period as a tradition. After a while, the inscription has been written on his tombstone. God is eternal. This is the place where our master, the head of Sharia, the source of wisdom who resurrected the sunna, removed the innovation, in parentheses bidat, who is obeyed, who belongs to God, the sultan of the wise, the scholar, the mufti of the west and the east, the reverend of religion and the sharia, the sheikh of the Muslims and Islam, the son of Hussein, who is the son of Ahmed from Balkh, rests. God bless him and his beloved ones. He died on a Friday mid-morning in the month of Rebul Ahir in 628. May God have mercy on him. Sayyid Burhanettin 
who was in Tirmis, and one of his old servants in Balk, had learned from his inner heart during one of his discourses that Bahatin Velet has died. He suddenly stood up and shouted, Oh no, oh no, my Sheikh Bahatin Velet has passed away from this Riyam. Let's do his funeral prayer. So, his funeral prayer had also been performed in Tirmis, as well as in Konya on the same day. Said mourned for a long time after his master's death. He grew pale with his separation. One night, he saw Bahattin Velet in his dream. He was saying to him angrily, Burhanettin, how come you leave my Muhammad alone and fail to protect him? Upon this, Said Burhanettin said, The son of my sheikh Jalaluddin is left alone. It is now my duty to go to Anatolia, put my face on his land, and take Jalaluddin, who reminds me of him. He packed up and set off to Konya. After his father's death, Mevlana Jalaluddin Rumi took over his father's duty and started teaching his students. He continued to live in the madrasa with his children. Despite everything, he was feeling that he would not be able to do anything in the absence of his father. On those days of feeling insufficient and deficient, Sayyid Burhanettin had arrived in Konya. Sayyid Burhanettin was a mature master with a high degree. He was called Secret Sayyid, as he knew the secrets in the hearts. He would give Rumi a ride on his shoulders when he was a child as if he was his tutor. When they met in Konya, Rumi settled him in the madrasa he was staying at. Sayyid Burhanettin said to Rumi, You are unique with your knowledge, but your father had a different state. You look for that state too. Go beyond the words. You have his words, but you too feel dizzy like me with this state. Be his real hair. Be like the sun is shining. You are his heir in reality, but I've got his essence, so you follow me. So Rumi started to be educated by him. Seeing that his knowledge was sufficient in every aspect, Sayyid Burhanettin started to teach this young scholar the knowledge of states. He let him witness the secrets of seclusion. He then sent him to Aleppo and Damascus to get the additional learning he needed. Rumi stayed at an inn in Sis province with his convoy on their way to Damascus. There were forty solitary priests living in that inn who had given up all worldly things. They had such high degrees with asceticism that they were discovering the secrets of this world, informing about the unknown of the realm, and telling what is hidden within people to them. Thus, they were receiving gifts from people around. When they saw Rumi, they pointed to a child next to him. The boy started rising up and stopped somewhere in between the ground and the sky. At that moment, Rumi's head was bowed down, busy with inspection. Suddenly, the child started to yell. 
Find me a cure. I am stuck in here and I will die of his majesty. The priest said, Calm down. The child then answered, I can't. It's like I am nailed here. Whatever they did, they could not bring him down. They knelt down in front of Rumi and said, Oh, the sultan of the religion, please ignore this and don't wreck us down. Rumi said, There is no other way than testifying the oneness of God. The boy immediately said, There is no God but God. Muhammad is the servant of God and his messenger, and came down. All the people there believed at once, and they wanted the fellowship of Rumi and go with him. But Rumi did not give permission and said, Stay here, engage in worshipping to God. Do not forget to pray for us too, and started packing up to set off to Damascus. When they arrived in Damascus, the scholars and the masters of the city welcomed him and took him to Madrasa Mukaddamiya. Rumi engaged only with spiritualism and made a lot of friends who were lovers and scholars. One day, during his meditation, he witnessed a different state. The angelic realm was open to him and he was granted with the divine pleasure of ascension. When he reached the fourth floor in the sky, he found it dark there. He asked the reason to the ones in the palace called Baitul Mamur, in the parentheses, frequented house. And they said, Our son went to visit Shams of Tabriz, the sultan of the poor, so we are left in the dark. Rumi completed his visits on the other floors and when he came back to the fourth floor again, he saw that great sun shining brightly and lighting up. Rumi, who had received this sign, was walking in the bazaar of Damascus one day. A man in black, with a conical hat, came across him and kissed his hand, saying, You, the exchanger of the spiritual realm, find me, realize me, and got lost in the crowd. This incident shook Rumi very much and led him to deep thoughts about who that man was. That man was no other than Shamsef Tepris, who would burn Rumi with his love years later. After this encounter and completing his education in Damascus, he left there to go back to Konya. First, he went to Kayseri and visited Sayyid Burhanettin and then came together to Konya. Sheikh Sayyid Burhanettin was content with the education he was given in Damascus and Aleppo. He matured him with special education once more. He amplified him to a higher degree. He was thinking that his duty was completed, and therefore he wanted to go and settle in Kayseri, but he could not explain that to Rumi. One day, he was riding a mule and was wandering in the vineyards of Konya. He thought to himself, let me go to Kayseri just now. Suddenly, the mule jumped and dropped him off, causing him to break his leg. The people around took him to Rumi. Said looked at Rumi meaningfully and said, good for a disciple. He broke his master's leg, 
Rumi asked, My master, why don't you put your healing hand on your leg? Said Burhanettin said, My boy, the sword does not cut its scabbard. Put your hands on my leg so that my leg heals quickly. Rumi wrapped his leg and healed him in a week or two. Having his leg healed, Said Burhanettin said to Rumi, You are mature now. You have become a unique lion in science and discovery, whom the prophets and the masters point at. Fill the people's souls with unmeasurable grace and fresh lives. Revive the dead of this realm with your divine love. I am also a lion, but two lions cannot live in one desert. And asked for permission. And he added, You will have a great fellow after me. You will be each other's mirror. He will take you to the most confidential parts of this spiritual realm. And you will have him witness what is happening in that realm, and you will complete each other. So he declared Shams coming. Upon this, Rumi kissed his master Sayyid Burhanettin's hand and saw him off to Kayseri with some of his followers. After Sayyid Burhanettin left Konya, Rumi passed to the teaching and initiation stage. He successfully continued his duty for five years, complying with his methods of his father and grandfathers. It had been a year since Sayyid Burhanettin had come to Kayseri. One day, he said to one of his servants, Go out and announce that Sayyid has died. He then straightened from where he was laying and made his last prayer. My great God, my friend, accept me and take my life. Enchant me and take me from both realms. And said the Islamic confession of faith, Ashadu Allah ilaha illallah wa ashadu anna muhammadan rasulullah. At the time he was saying those words, the bitter announcement of his death was heard from outside. All the people that heard this gathered curiously. When they entered the house, they saw that Sayyid Burhanettin has passed away. The news spread very fast in Kayseri. While preparing the funeral, the news was sent to Rumi too. Rumi was shaken with deep sorrow. He went to Kayseri immediately and completed his last duty praying with tears for hours at his grave. Years later, Rumi lost his wife, Gevher Hatun, at a young age, and he buried her in Konya. His sons, Sultan Velet and Alaaddin Chalebi, have become young men then. One day, when his sons were little, he had taken Sultan Velet on his right side, and Alatin Muhammad on his left side. While they were sitting like this, two bright-faced men in green clothes have come and saluted them. They asked for Rumi's permission and took Sultan Velet away. After some time, they brought him back and said, O oh, Highness Rumi, this beautiful boy of yours will continue your generation. He will help many people to find the truth and guide them. Rumi had started to teach knowledge and wisdom to Sultan Velet since he was a small child. He educated him both in apparent and spiritual sciences.
he gave him all the information about the essence and the qualifications of God and ingenuity in Sufism. Sultan Velet had reached high degrees at a very young age in every science. Rumi said to his son, My son, Sultan Velet, the reason of my birth was for you to come to this world. My heart is full of ingenuity and knowledge of God's essence and qualifications. My duty is to teach them all to you. My son, you are a promising and a fortunate person. I hope you will spend your life comfortably and in peace. Sultan Velet was like his father in every aspect. People who did not know him thought that he was Rumi's brother and couldn't guess that he was his son. Rumi said to him, You are the one who looks most like me in all the people, both in physical appearance and inside. He also advised to his son, whose spirituality he loved, other than being his son. Bahattin, if you want to be in heaven, be friends with all people. Don't bear grudge for anyone. Sultan Velet was growing up with these advices and manners, also with love, faith, compassion, and modesty in his heart. He appreciated his father very much, who was the sultan of the lovers and the wise men. He said these verses for him. Know that the kutb of the saints is Rumi. Do what he orders. His words are divine mercy. The blind sees who reads these. After Gevher Hatun's death, Rumi married Kara Hatun, the daughter of Izzettin Ali from Konya. Kara Hatun was a special woman in spirituality. She had a good tasawuf education and it was known that she was performing miracles. Many women in Konya had become her students. Rumi had two children from Kara Hatun a son named Muzaffereddin Amir Alim Çelebi and a daughter named Melike Hatun. Rumi became very happy when his son Muzaffereddin Amir Alim Çelebi was born. He said lyrics, Come, O lovers, that moon-faced beauty has come. Rely on pleasure and joy, cause the beloved has come into these arms. One day, Rumi had called Muzaffereddin Amir Alim Çelebi over when he grew up and taught him the Surah of the Unity, in parentheses Surah Al-Ikhlas, with its meaning and said, You see, God was neither born nor did he give birth. He does not have a mother or a father. So it is not appropriate to boast with family and advised him not to boast about his lineage. His daughter's birth also made him so happy. Melika Hatun was known for her pure spirituality. When his daughter grew up, one day Rumi saw her scolding one of their servants. He called her and said, Why do you hurt her? If you were the servant and she was the lady, what would you do? End of part. Page 53.